is the creator and sustainer of all the worlds, whether those worlds are known or unknown to mankind. unclouded by hate does not wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice hello everyone my name is charlie you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer ce dorset and today we are continuing our study of the prophet by khalil gibran the book is now in the public domain so if you just do a search for the prophet you should be able to find a copy and read along i am actually reading from a copy from Project Gutenberg right now. So it is available online. We are picking up today with the chapter on reason and passion. So let's go to the text. And the priests, I'm sorry, and the priestess spoke again and said, Speak to us of reason and passion. And he answered, saying, your soul is oftentimes a battlefield upon which your reason and your judgment wage war against your passion and your appetite. Would that I could be the peacemaker in your soul, that I might turn the discord and rivalry of your elements into oneness and melody. But how shall I, unless you yourself also be the peacemakers? Nay, the lovers of all your elements. Mm. Okay, so now we get to go into the realm of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Okay, so yes, inside all of us, this is, this is actually an argument that goes back to Aristotle and Zeno and many of the ancient Greeks. You can find this discourse back in the earliest dialogues of the Buddha and of Lao Tzu in the Tao Te Ching, we have within us these two faculties that often seem to be at war, and that is reason and passion. What often happens when we are discussing these competing forces is that a third force is then introduced to be the mediator between them. Often it is our willpower, our willpower being the mediator between reason and passion. Now, this is where I get into trouble in a lot of philosophical debates, because there are, well, I don't know if I should say are, our society since the Enlightenment has accepted a basic mythology of disenchantment, which is kind of funny when you think about it, that it is a, it is a mythos. We hear constant statements about how people are losing their faith, they're losing their religiosity, that church attendance and church membership is dropping. Yet, in those same polls, if you actually look into them, the number of people that believe in magical thinking, in astrology, in various paranormal things, 
are steady and or growing and still make up a large chunk of the population, both in the U.S. and in Europe. Our passion and our reason are often in conflict. The narrative that reason has somehow won the day and we are learning to be more rational beings is beautiful when you're watching Star Trek, but isn't exactly the way the world is actually working. Now, I am not being prescriptive here when I say that passion is the more important of the two. I, I don't know that you can make a true and valid argument either way in this. I will say that in all of my conversations with others on a vast majority of issues, it is exceedingly rare to find anyone who is able to honestly and truly examine a topic from a purely logical, dispassionate perspective and point of view. And in fact, most of the people that you hear saying that they do that are actually justifying what they already passionately believe through the vehicle of what appears to be, at least to them, logical reasoning. And this is problematic for us when we're trying to have discussions. We have this innate cultural myth that as long as I can provide you with valid reasoning and true logical prowess, I can convince anyone of anything. And so we try, especially on matters that are very important to us, to make logical arguments. In reality, the, we actually respond to passionate arguments. In reality, it's actually our passions that rule our reason far more than the other way around. Now, through great work and self-discipline, we can try to seat our logic in charge and do our best not to fall victim to the many fallacies that could tarnish and harm our logic. But the vast majority of people that we encounter in our lives are not going to go through all of that effort. And it is quite a bit of effort. As somebody who has, I will say, attempted to practice stoicism through the majority of their lives to keep their emotions in check, there actually is quite a bit to stoicism that does not depend, strictly speaking, on logic. Because you have to actually rule and reign the passions. And the best way to do that is through arguments that speak directly to them. This is a sad but true thing about our human nature. So when we are trying to make any type of argument, when we're having those fights within ourselves or especially within our cultures or societies, it's very important to remember that the passions will be there and not to pretend that they will not. You cannot make peace if you are ignoring one of the players on the field. 
You're especially not going to make peace if you believe that one of those players is irrelevant and can be ignored. That only causes them to lash out and become more hostile and more vehement. You cannot ignore passion. It will always rear its face. Returning to the text. Your reason and your passion are the rudders and the sails of your seafaring soul. If either your sails or your rudder be broken, you can but toss and drift, or else be held at a standstill in mid-seas. For reason, ruling alone, is a force confined and passion unattended is a flame that burns to its own destruction. Therefore let your soul exalt your reason to the height of passion that it may sing, and let it direct your passion with reason, that your passion may live through its own daily resurrection, and like the phoenix, rise above its own actions." Yeah, this is some of the most practical advice in the book. As I said, passion is the thing that, in the end of the day, rules the vast majority of people. And from my own experience, I have to say, mo most of the people who believe that they are ruled by their logic rather than their passion... They, they are often deluding themselves into that belief. The best way to actually control your passions is through the wonderful act of sublimation, where we guide and direct our passions towards more beautiful ends, more wonderful ends. And thus our passions align with our logic, our passions align with our reason, so that they, because they will, rise like the phoenix in their daily resurrections. I love that turn of phrase. So why not use them? There is this notion that presents itself periodically that we will be able to conquer them, that we will be able to stamp them out. I don't know of any philosophy that states this is true. Stoicism, which is the Western cousin of Buddhism, really is all about reigning in our passions and sublimating them. Learning to direct their course. Remember when I said on a previous episode that it's good to think of all things as water, trying to seek the easiest path to the sea? Through self-discipline, which we can impose upon ourselves through our logic and reason, we can divert and change the course of many of our passions and native energies so that they will tend towards the beautiful. They will tend towards the correct or right way of action. The problem is, when we have too much certainty in what those right actions are, when we have too much certainty in exactly how we should act, that generally, and I hate to say this, means we're wrong. Certainty is one of the many signs 
that we have gotten off the path. This is one of the great insights that we get from Buddhism of the three doors, the three gates, the three keys, the three proofs that Dharma, that teaching, that instruction is true. One of those is that they that the wisdom itself is impermanent. You see, even the knowledge of the Eightfold Path or the Four Noble Truths is meant to one day fall away. It's meant to at least at some point no longer be necessary because you will have achieved enlightenment. So even the wisdom and the daily practice that we engage in is not meant to be with us always. The problem with certainty is that any level of certitude tends to concretize an idea. It ossifies it. It turns it to bone and stone so that it is hard or difficult to change within us. And once we have achieved that level of certainty, all we are doing is harming ourselves and harming our ability to do better. Nothing is permanent. Nothing has a separate self. These are important tools in our tool chest to keep us from falling into these traps. Logic has a way of making us think that we have reached a final decision, that we have reached a final goal, that our ethics have been perfected to the point where we no longer have to question them anymore, that our study, that our life path, that our decisions are so right that they can never be questioned. And once we give in to that, we have created a guerrilla war within ourselves and have failed at the basic task of being a peacemaker. For deep down within us, there will always be the rebellious streak that will fight against that certitude. You see this in people who preach morality from the rooftops. They often fall victim to the very sins that they love to point out in others. They do this because, one, they are often projecting their transgressions onto others to ease their own conscience. But they also do this because when you constantly, repeatedly say that something is a sin, that something is foul, and look at those horrible people that we are so much better than who commit that action, you are creating a forbidden thing. And if we learn nothing from our collective mythologies from around the world, our fairy stories, our children's entertainment, we need to learn this one thing. Once something is forbidden to us, we only want it more. We will continue this after the break. And we're back. Okay, so, yeah, there's so much to say here. And there's just mm, so much. Okay, let's go back to the text. I would have you consider your judgment and your appetite, even as you 
would two loved guests in your house? Surely you would not honor one guest above the other, or he is more mindful of one. I'm sorry, for he is more mindful of one, loses the love and the faith of both. This is a wonderful play on the idea of Jesus that a man cannot serve two masters. He will either hate the one and despise the other, or spitefully use the one and hate the other. And this is what we're seeing here. If we have these two things within us, our judgment and our appetite, our reason and our passion, if we honor one above the other, both will lose love and faith in us. And again, this is something that you've heard me talking about a lot throughout this podcast, and especially this episode of the series. It is important for us to remember that both of these energies are within us, and both of them have a necessity to be acted upon. Does that mean that we should always do everything that our passions tell us to do? No. Because sometimes we get angry, and in our anger we want to lash out and attack others. Yes, those feelings should be restrained. Those passions should be restrained. That's a wonderful sign of when we should actually let reason rule over passion. But if we ignore what that passion is telling us, we do it to our own detriment. You see, that anger and rage will tell us several things, depending on what actually gave birth to it. One, that there is an injustice set before us that we need to learn a way around. We need to learn a way to defeat, and we need to learn a way to break through and make go away. After all, and you know what I'm about to say, we are here to what? Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly before our God. This is our mantra on this show, right? Words of the prophet Malachi. And this is what we are here to do. This is our purpose. So when we find that kind of anger rising within us, no, we shouldn't lash out. But at the same time, that's not an anger that should be suppressed. This is where sublimation comes in. This is where the wonderful power of beautification really comes to the forefront and comes into its own. When we learn to make these darker passions beautiful, we learn how to make them instructive, creative, and powerful. Because, yes, lashing out at someone else, verbally, physically, or otherwise, is never a proper and right solution when motivated by anger. But if we do not learn the lessons that that anger is trying to teach us and actively strive to make the situation better, then like so many cycles in our world and in our lives, we have doomed ourselves to repeat it. That anger will arise again. That hatred will arise again. 
So we have to learn its source. We have to learn what it is trying to teach us. Why did we get angry? Why did we become hostile? Why did those darker passions rise? And in learning those things and having that moment of mindfulness where we are watching the construction of that anger, of that passion, we learn the tools necessary to deconstruct it. Why did it anger us so? Why were we moved so much by that thing? When we ask these questions, we are utilizing our, our wisdom, but we are not honoring it more than the passion. You see, it comes to the passion almost as a servant. I see that you are angry. Can you tell me why? Let me help you. Let me make things better. Let me show you what might be an easier or better way to achieve this goal. And in so doing, we honor both the passion and our reason. And through this process, we keep from losing the love and faith of both of them. This is something that you see in people who either try to act solely on their passions or solely on their reason. Many, so many, become disaffected through their lives. Because one cannot sustain all. When you deny a basic energy, a basic impulse moving through you, you are denying a part of yourself. This is why the various reparative therapies that were attempted to convert gay people to straight people or to prevent people from realizing that they are in fact transgender didn't work. You see, a foreign reason is being inserted into these systems to divert a natural passion. And that passion, unable to find another way to flow, another path, another conduit through which to move, eventually will lash out. It eventually will seek to find itself born in this world. We cannot ignore who we are. We cannot ignore what we are. By trying to deny the basic nature of ourselves, all we do is set a clock for when that harm will manifest itself in Lord knows what way. We can see this in people who practice self-harm. This is a passion diverted into a dark path. And we do not want to ever get ourselves into that place. Returning to the text. Among the hills, when you sit in the cool shade of the white poplars, sharing the peace and serenity of distant fields and meadows, then let your heart say in silence, God rests in reason. And when the storm comes and the mighty winds shake the forest and the thunder and lightning proclaim the majesty of the sky, then let your heart say in awe, God moves in passion. And since 
you are a breath in God's sphere and a leaf in God's forest. You too should rest in reason and move in passion. How wonderfully beautiful is that? And this is the formula that we've been talking about. We should rest in reason and move in passion. And in that order, it's very easy for our passions to get the best of us, for our passions to override the basic instincts that we have to stop, to rest, to understand. But when we take a moment to contemplate, to be mindful, to see things as they truly are, and I say that a lot, and you may think that I believe that that's an easy thing to do, and I don't. Sometimes it's a very difficult task. But it is an essential one. And we shouldn't get these backwards. This is the beautiful simplicity of the prophet's way. We should not rest in our passion and move in our reason. This is why a lot of pro projects die. Now, I don't often talk about my life as a writer on this podcast, but this is one of those places where you can really see this happening. I actually did this to myself for a while. I have a passion for writing. I love to write. Writing and telling stories is the core of me. It is my basic spiritual practice. It's something that I love more than almost anything in this world. And after I had found some success with some of my earlier books, I got this notion in my head that I needed to construct a plan and do things according to what I thought my audience would like. In other words, I let my reason step in, and that reason blinded me to my passion. I knew what stories I needed to write because I knew what stories that I had written that sold well. So I needed to follow that so I could make more money. My reason guided my passions. I acted in reason and rested in passion. See, I, I love world building so I can get all that passion stuff out in the world building and in creating the worlds that these characters will inhabit. And then I will sit down and I will coldly and rationally write these books as quickly as possible so that I can make more money. The result of this action was writer's block. And a severe case that lasted for years. I couldn't write anything. My mind was devoid of any creative thought because I had insulted my passion. And so both my passion and my reason abandoned me. There I was wanting to tell stories because it is my natural state. It's the thing that I want to do more than anything else, but I couldn't. And it wasn't until I gave up and I threw my hands in the air and told myself, I'm going to try to write this story that I had a dream about. And if I write it, I write it. If I don't, I don't. But I'm going to do this for me. I don't care if it ever makes a dime. 
I just, I want to tell this story. I want to tell the story so bad. And I sat down and in a couple weeks I had finished the novella. I had finished this brand new story. And that led to another book and another book and creativity began to flow through me again because I put things back in their proper place. The writing is my passion. And so learning to let it move me forward was the right thing to do. But reason governs my business. And so letting my reason come up with a business plan on what to do with the books. You see, I found that way to honor both in their way so I could strategize and rest in reason and I could go forth and move in passion. And that's how I started writing again. And, you know, I've been doing a lot of it. So that's my experience with this. And I'd love to know what yours is. If you've enjoyed this episode and the app that you're listening to me on allows you to rate either this podcast or this episode, please do that. That helps out so much. That tells the algorithm to share the podcast with more people. And I would love to get this message out to as many as I possibly could. If you got a buck you can throw my way, depending on the app, there'll either be a button that says support or a link in the show notes that says support on Anchor. If you click that, you can support me at the $1, $5, or $10 a month levels. That money helps me to keep this content coming. It also helps me to buy things that make my work easier and pay for upkeep on the website. So thank you to everybody who has contributed. If you don't have the money, that's fine. Trust me, I don't do this podcast for money. I do it because I really like to talk about these things, if you can't tell. <laughs> but I will ask that you pray for me. Your prayer has power and really will help me out a lot. And if you know anybody that you think would benefit from these episodes, please share the podcast with them. After all, that is the ultimate goal. It's trying to help as many people as possible find a way, their way to hear the voice of wisdom. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like me to discuss, please go to anchor.fm and download the Anchor app. Once there, follow Wisdom's Cry, and you'll see a button that says Voice Message. If you click that, you can send me up to a one-minute message. I would love to hear from you. I have, on my other podcast, done entire episodes based off of those questions and call-ins, and I would love to do that more here. If you'd like to get in touch with me, the easiest place for me would probably be on Twitter. I'm Wisdom Cries Out on Twitter, but you can find a link to all my social media accounts over at wisdomscry.com. Until next time, may God bless you and keep you ever growing in wisdom. Amen. <laughs>